Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, good morning, Now Church. Good morning, online campus. We're glad that you're joining us again today as well. We got a lot of great things happening. We're in the middle of a really cool new series called Bridges. Your life is about building bridges to other people. And you have to kind of know how to manage those bridges. We're going to talk about that today. You know, I was thinking about when, uh, you know, when we were in worship a few minutes ago, and I heard a couple of people really shouting, and sometimes Clifford is exuberant, and sometimes other people just shouting, praising God. And then newer people kind of come in, they kind of, you know, think, well, um, you know, what's going on? I'll never forget one time I was in uh, Germany, one of my first times preaching in Germany many years ago, over 20 years ago. And the church was really loud and it was very German. You know, I can't even explain it. It was very, there was like, they were beating, like people were all beating on drums. It wasn't like tambourines like in America at that time, but they were like beating drums and stuff. And this one woman comes in and she starts to go wild in praise and worship. And I'm standing there and I want to say go wild. I mean, she was dancing, but she was like dancing like, ah! Ah! like that. And I'm standing there, and, and, the Lord, and, and I was kind of, just to be honest, I was kind of judging her. Like, whew, you know, she's, wow, she's kind of weird. And the Spirit of God spoke to me as clear as I'm talking to, you, to my heart. I didn't hear in my ears, but in my heart, I heard that still small voice. And, said, and he said to me, you don't know what she's been through. You know, the Bible says, who's forgiven much, loves much. Who's forgiven little, loves little. So I'm standing there and I'm convicted. And then the pastor leans over to me, he goes, see that lady? I said, yeah, he goes, she used to be a prostitute just two years ago out on the street here. And she was a drug addict and a prostitute. And she was in jail and her life was a mess. And Jesus met her and I just started crying, man. It just so heavy. So sometimes when you come in and somebody might be, they might be forgiven of something you just don't know what they're forgiven of. So if they're coming in and they're shouting a little more than you do or lifting their hands more than you do, don't think they're weird. Think, wow, maybe I need to recognize how forgiven I am too and really praise God for that. So I just want to say that. I just want to say that because sometimes we, get, we can get a little bit uncomfortable if it's a little different in sometimes in our expression, but that sometimes is God just reminding you, hey, that person is a little crazier for God today than you are because you don't know what they've just been through. Amen? Amen. So today we have a great message for you on bridges. By the way, I want, I've, had, I've got a special announcement. I've been finally cleared to say something. And that is that we're going to be grandparents again. So, yeah. So Pastor Tristan and Kristen Kennedy, our very own pastors, they already have two boys. So we're praying for, what? no, a healthy baby. We're praying for a healthy baby. Anyway, because in, this, in our family, listen, my father was the third son in a family that desperately wanted a girl. 
My father hates pink to this day. He's 81. He hates pink. Because when he, because everybody, my, my grandparents were pastors as well. And my grandparents, all the people showered them with everything pink for the third one. Said, we're not taking any, you know, we're not taking any bets on this, okay? We're happy as long as we get a healthy baby. But we're excited about grandbaby number five. Mambo number five, yes. Anyway, so anyway, thank you, Pastor Tristan Kennedy. Keep up the good work. Anyway, so, anyway, uh, anyway, I love my son-in-law. Anyway, um, anyway, today's message is called the collateral effect. The collateral effect. I think it's going to be, uh, I'll explain in a little while why I've got two pine cones up here from my grandsons, my two grandsons, Cole and Caden, family, some beautiful pine cones. And I'll explain those in a little bit. Let's get into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God that's able to change us from the inside out. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says this from the message. Even though, Paul writes, I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Now, I didn't take on their way of life, he says. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Paul says, I'll cross any bridge that I need to cross without compromising my integrity, my morality. I'll hold myself to the standard of God, but I will try and I'll use any means necessary to win people that are lost and hurting. Amen? Now, I want to read one more little passage from the story of Jonah. Many many of you know the story of Jonah, maybe from Sunday school or that kind of thing. But Jonah, uh, the big thing you need to know about Jonah was that that Jonah was a, a young man, a prophet of God. The hand of God was on him. And God called him to a place called Nineveh, which is now in modern day Iraq. And God told him to go there, and and Nineveh was the sin city of its day. It was the Sodom and Gomorrah of that generation. It was the Las Vegas, if you will. It was it was the it was the the sin city of the of the era. And um, God told Jonah to go there, and Jonah hated that city. And Jonah says to himself, "If I go there and preach, God's going to pour out mercy on them. They don't deserve mercy." He says, "I don't want to go." So Jonah finds a boat in Joppa, right near modern-day Tel Aviv, and he, and, he, and he gets a ship going the other direction. And he catches this boat to Tarshish. And for those of you who know the story, of uh, uh, Jonah, uh, Jonah chapter 1, it, it, right away, he's in the, he, the, as soon as he is running from God, how many of you know you can run but you can't hide? Have you ever tried to run from God here? It's not, it ain't pleasant, okay? I always say this way, you're going to go the easy way or the hard way. Your choice, but you're going to go. And so God has to find a way to turn Jonah around. And so he takes his hand off that boat and a storm hits, this big, huge storm hits and the enemy hits, the devil hits. But how I many you know God just, God took his hand of protection off because he couldn't protect it because Jonah was in disobedience to God. 
So right there, this big tempest, this big storm, and well, you know the story. These guys that are on the boat are just innocent bystanders. They don't have any beef with God. They don't even necessarily know God. Some even feared God, the Bible says. But what happened was the storm hit so fiercely that they, they said, hey, somebody's running from God. Somebody's running from their God. Right, that back then they thought there's a whole bunch of gods. They said, somebody's running from their God. Let's find out who it is. Well, they find Jonah sleeping on the bottom deck, trying to hide out. And he's, you know, sometimes when you're depressed, you just go to sleep. So he's having some mental health challenges down in the bottom of the boat. And these guys find him and said, it must be you. And he says, well, it is me. They said, you running from God? He said, yep. They said, well, that's okay. We know it's you. And the Bible said they rode harder. They didn't do anything with him first. They, they rode harder. Talk about that in a minute. And so it says this. They, they picked up Jonah, Jonah 1.15. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jesus used this story to declare that just as Jonah had spent three days and three nights in death in the belly of a fish, that Jesus was going to go into the recesses of hell for three days and three nights and resurrection would come. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart, give us understanding that we can grow in you and be changed by your presence and become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our theme this month is bridges, knowing which bridges to cross, which bridges to build, and which bridges to burn. The essence of life is relationships, isn't it? Love God first, love God best, love God most, then love other people. All relationships are different. We said last week, not one size fits all. You have to learn how to manage your associations. There are different levels of those things. And some people are acquaintances, other people become friends, and some will actually earn such trust they become part of your life, part of your heart, part of your inner circle. Wisdom and maturity are about who fits where into your life. The more you grow in Christ, the more mature, the more discerning you become, the more you understand, okay, this person was for a reason and this person was for a season. This person, uh, I trusted them with a secret and they blabbed the secret. So, they, so I need to kind of watch that relationship. This person is, is more of a bully or abusive or this person's that or whatever. You gotta, de- you gotta really feel, feel out where people fit in your life. Now, I mentioned John Travolta a few weeks ago. I was thinking about the movie Saturday Night Fever, uh, not recommended for children of all ages, by the way, but it's a very old classic back from the 70s. And really the essence of the story was about a bridge. It was about the Verrazano Narrows, used to be called the Verrazano Narrows, Narrows Bridge. It's a bridge that connects Brooklyn to Staten Island. 
And it was a bridge that connected in the story of Saturday Night Fever. It took, the, it took this young man, Tony Monero, who was in the Italian section of Brooklyn, feeling poor, feeling like he had no future, no hope. And he saw that Verrazano Bridge, that if he could just get across that, if he could be with somebody across there, he meets a, a woman who lives in Staten Island who's trying to, she's from Brooklyn too, but she didn't want anybody to know it. And he's trying to find a way. That bridge represented a new life, opportunity. And that's what happens with the bridges that we're talking about this month, that you are a connector. Your life connects other people to God. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I'll do anything to build a bridge to somebody, to cross a bridge, to get to somebody that doesn't know God. Let's never forget about the people on the other side of the bridge that are searching for a passageway to God but feel hopeless and desperate. And may I remind you that someone connected you to Jesus. Someone. Listen, over 80% of people who came to know the Lord did it as a result of a friend, a relative, a neighbor, a coworker, or somebody who either invited them to church, brought them to church, or prayed with them themselves and led them to the Lord. Somebody that prayed for you. And I want to remind you of that. You're not here on your own. You're standing on the shoulders of somebody who is courageous enough to love on you when you didn't feel lovely. Every person in this room is connected to Jesus through someone else. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe there was, somebody was there for you when you went through a personal crisis or a traumatic experience and they became your bridge. God is looking to connect someone else to Jesus through you. Now we've all heard the term collateral damage. Talking about collateral effect today. We've all heard about collateral damage, right? Collateral damage. Collateral damage is when it's an unintended harm of innocent bystanders caused by being in the wrong place at the wrong time, like in a military strike or a law enforcement operation you got caught in the crossfire. Collateral damage is still damage. And collateral damage is the unintended damage that happens. But I want to talk to you about something, kind of the flip side of that, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in this Philippian jail. Talk about forgiven much, loved much. These guys start raising a ruckus at midnight, singing praises to God, even though they're in the worst section of the jail. They're in the worst cell in the prison and they're stuck. They're, they're, they're locked into a, the stocks. So they're chained inside the worst part. It probably smelled horrible. Don't know if they had been had eaten anything and they'd been beaten and were bleeding. The Bible says in verse 25 of Acts 16, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. That's very important. The prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately, say immediately. immediately. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. I heard Paul Scanlon, a, a great British pastor, leader, that was here a few years ago, a friend of ours, 
He talked recently about collateral grace. Collateral grace. That collateral grace is the overflow of God's goodness to one person that combusts into breakthroughs for many. God's power that night in Philippi moved the earth to help his faithful ones. God moved for Paul and Silas who were saying, God, we love you, we praise you, and we're praying and seeking God and praising him at midnight on the worst possible place in the worst possible day. But the Bible says all the cell doors opened and every chain was loosed in the whole prison. In our humanity, wouldn't we have little wills? Not the, I got it all together for God, whosoever wills. The prisoners, the broken, the disconnected, the disenfranchised, the, re, the rejected, the, the ones that weren't worthy. And yet that day, that night, at midnight, all the chains were loosed. We might let the con man out, maybe the drunk, maybe the thing we were guilty of. But not that guy. And sure not that one. My wife and I drive back and forth to the beach quite a bit. We were beach people. And the promise of Groundhog Day is that winter may be shorter. So we went to the beach about a week and a half ago, one afternoon. We were driving back and I happened to look out the window and, and a lot of times my wife and I, when we're looking at different things, we actually, God is kind of speaking things to us at the same time. It's very, very strange. And so I, I looked out and I saw this area on 40 that had burned last summer or last fall, whatever it was, when there were fires. And I said to, and, I, and, I, and my wife apparently was looking at it too and I said, I said, is that crazy? Did you see all those new pine trees that were coming up in there? That's amazing. I said, somebody like went out as soon as that burned and planted a whole, it looked like a whole orderly new forest of little seedlings was coming up. And, 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 and she said, yeah, that, I was looking at that too. Isn't that amazing how God takes something that's scorched and burned and then this new this new forest is coming. The next generation of the forest is rising right in the middle of, you can still see where it was burned. And I mentioned something to my mom a few days later, we we're just chatting about something. And I was talking, my mother was raised in the Southern New Jersey in what's called the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, east of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in South Jersey. They call it the Garden State, not because of what's near New York, but because of the south part of New Jersey. My mom was raised kind of in a, like Ocala National Forest area. Very similar. And so I have an adventure. I said, yeah, you know, we were just saying how cool it is that God brings, you know, in the middle of the scorch, you know, I told her what I told you. And my mother goes, no, 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 no. Didn't I ever tell you? I said, what? She goes, well, we had all these fires when I was a kid. You remember we would drive you through there summertime on vacation sometimes and we'd see where there had been whole sections of it on fire. I said, yeah. She goes, I never told you about the pine cone. I said, 
No, what are you talking about? She said, oh my goodness, it's an amazing thing. Because somebody didn't go out and plant that new forest, the next generation. She said, God has it in nature. She's a, she was a teacher for years, okay? So she's, she was a fourth grade teacher for many years after she was a, a kindergarten teacher. So she puts it, you know, in a way that I can understand it, you know. <laughs> and she said, didn't I ever tell you? She said that when a pine cone catches on fire and heats to a certain temperature, it germinates the seeds inside of itself and explodes. And it becomes this, what I then said, that sounds like a grenade of seed. Nobody went out and put those seeds in the ground and planted them in order even. I, I mean, if you look when you're driving through and see some of these places that I'm talking about, I mean, it's like they're in line. But a pine cone becomes a grenade of life that one pine cone can blow up and spread germinated seeds right into the ground. I thought, oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's like I just heard about from Paul Scanlon talking about collateral grace. It's amazing that something can happen like that. And I'm gonna say this to you, your life is like a pine cone. I submit to you that there were two thieves hanging on the crosses next to Jesus. You know the story. And one of them says, hey, if you're the son of God, save yourself and prove it. But Jesus couldn't come down and die for all of us the full, the full price, the full death. And the other thief just looked and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He had a light bulb moment just because he was hanging next to Jesus in the vicinity on the cross next door. And what did Jesus say to him? He looked at him. The guy didn't have time to be baptized. He didn't have time to have the three-week challenge. <laughs> didn't go to next steps. Jesus looked at him and said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Combustible grace, collateral grace. That if you and I can get around people or would just be aware that there are people around us when we have grace moments, when we have moments where God is moving, it's not like we have to preach to them. It's just we have to be who we are in front of them in the rough moments and in the good moments because your life and mine are like pine cones, natural grenades, seeds of explosion. That guy received collateral grace and he got the promise. Conversely, the overflow of spiritual things doesn't only work in the good things of grace. The devil's a counterfeiter, isn't he? He's not a creator. He's a counterfeiter, a copycat. You ever notice that people who get into controlling relationships always pick the wrong guy, always pick the wrong girl, 
and then they break free. But they often repeat the same pattern over and over again, getting with other abusers. Why? Because it's a spiritual root, not bad luck. It's a spiritual issue. It's not bad luck. Oh, I've got the worst taste. Oh, I just happened to find. No, you didn't just happen to find. Something in you attracts something in the bad boy. Something in the rough friend. And until you break the cycle, until you break free, until you're willing to step up and make a hard decision, until you're willing to burn some bridges, you're never going to get to the bridges you need to cross and the bridges you need to build. You ever noticed guilt by association? You hear the story of Some friends just hanging out on the weekend. Oh, I just was hanging with my friends. They didn't tell me they were going to stop by the bank for an ATM withdrawal and steal the ATM or stick up the bank. I just was in the car. Your Honor, I'm an innocent man. But what do they say? You're guilty by association. You are an accessory to the crime no matter what was in your heart. No matter what your intention was, you get with the wrong crowd and you're with them at the wrong moment and your quote-unquote friends can put you in jail. Whoever you're affiliated with, we said last week, will have an impact on your soul. Why? Because values are formed by relationships. Values are formed by relationships. What I mean by that is opinions change when you get around people. You know it. Opinions change when you get around people. You can get around people that feel one way about a movie And they start telling you, hey, well, I like that movie because it was this and that and the other. And you you know what? Well, maybe I need to look at that movie again. Opinions change over little mundane things and they change over eternal things by the crowd you hang around with. That's why church is so important because you're around people that are, you know, we all know the destination is heaven, but God wants us to enjoy the trip. Okay, not make it more complex. Now, We don't know what their relationship was with God. We know that eventually they worshiped him once they threw their friend over the boat. (laughs) But they found themselves in danger through no fault of their own and collateral destruction was coming because of the rebellion of one person, a prophet on the run. When they were in panic about to die, they found Jonah sleeping and quickly realized this guy in our boat is causing this storm. And when he admitted it, and he actually said to them, I think the only way that you're gonna get through this is to go ahead and throw me over. Notice he didn't say, I'm gonna jump, okay? He said, I think the only way you're gonna get me over there is make me walk the plank. I, matey, you know, like, you walk the plank. He, they, they, 
I mean, basically, they had a party with Jonah, and suddenly it's one for the money, two for the show. And Jonah is thrown off the boat to certain death in the middle of a storm. I have a question for you. Is it possible that the storm you're in right now is because you've allowed the wrong people onto your boat? Just sit there for a minute. Is it possible that some of the stuff you're going through and you're blaming God isn't God at all? That that storm has come because you've got the wrong people on the cruise ship with you. It takes courage to fix it, especially when you're nice. But pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to love everybody, love them, love. I love people. We do love people. We do love people. We love people. God's word translation of Jonah 1.13 says this. <clears throat> Instead, when they found him, the men tried to row harder to get the ship back to shore, but they couldn't do it. The storm was getting worse. I want you to know, somebody in the room, somebody watching right now online in our online campus, you're just rowing harder thinking maybe you can fix it without tossing Jonah off the ship. And all you're winding with is a whole shipload more of trouble. And I said ship. <laughs> Understand in this world, there are times when we're... Why are you exhausted? Because you're trying to avoid. Oh, it's just hard. We'll get there. We'll get there. Throw him over. Why? Because you're not helping Jonah. You can't even save yourself from the storm. That's why I read the scripture. But the Lord had prepared a great fish for Jonah. What a coincidence. The exact fish that could house a man for three days without chewing him up and just let him live down there with a little candle inside. Now, we, we, I learned in Sunday school as a whale. The Bible doesn't say whale. It says it was a big fish. And, the, and one translation, one study Bible uh, says this, that there's no living fish today that could actually probably do this. It was probably like a prehistoric fish that's now maybe extinct. In fact, it might have been the only exact fish not just one coming by, going to school. That's another thing. But anyway, <laughs> understand that, listen, I'm not just saying these things for the halibut. Preach. 
Thank you. Anyway, I got, I got, I got, I got fish puns that, that last days. You don't want them, okay? We often look for alternatives to obedience. Hear me. We often look for an easier way than just obeying what God is speaking to us and confirming. We look for the path of least resistance and, and we wind up just rowing harder and harder with zero progress. Are you tired yet? The non-confrontational approach. Maybe Jonah will change. Maybe if I row harder, Jonah will feel bad and he'll cry out to God and this storm will be over and we'll be okay. Nope. You're sinking. You know the Titanic didn't sink because of an iceberg? The Titanic sank because of a communication problem. Who are you keeping God from reaching because you're rowing harder? I'm preaching better than your amen in today. You got to get this. This is really important for somebody. This is life. This is somebody's life I'm talking about today. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm telling you the right or wrong people affect everything. And there are times when the merciful thing to do is say, oh, Jonah, it's been nice sailing with you, bro. But you gotta go. Or we're all gonna go down. So, God didn't abandon Jonah. See, this is what people say. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I just know God's working on my friend. I just know God's working on him. I, you know, I just, you know, I just know as a Christian, we're supposed to love everybody. Yeah. I love you. You're not the savior. There's only one. And the problem is we get in the middle of it sometimes and we become part of collateral damage more than collateral grace. Because it's not one or the other, it's both. God wants to do something great. God didn't abandon Jonah. God prepared an escape pod for him. Custom made that took him on to his correct destination. Jonah where he got where he was supposed to go. In fact, I'll say this way. Everybody got where they were supposed to go. Once they threw Jonah over the side, Everybody got where they're supposed to go. But pastor, you don't know my girlfriend. She's getting close. She's not as rebellious as she used to be from God. You can't save. Jonah in as much admitted that the only way he's gonna be okay or that they're going to be okay, yes, in the water. He didn't know God was going to save him. He just knew they were all going to die. And it took the belly of a great fish for three days before he repented. Imagine that. How stubborn do you have to be 
to be thrown off the boat in your depression and rebellion, wind up in the belly of a great fish and realize three days later, you know, I'm not dead. Maybe. And by the way, this fish was on its way to Nineveh. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? This fish just happened to be going to Nineveh. You can run from God, my friend, but you can't hide. And you're not helping some people that you think you're helping. You got, you got to, listen, everybody got where they're supposed to go. Some of the stage five clingers in your life need you to throw them overboard to find God. Love them enough to throw them over. Love God more. Quit playing God. Just be sensitive and look at the fruit. That's what we're talking about this month. Some bridges you need to cross. Some bridges you need to build. Some bridges you need to burn. Because if you keep that connection, you'll go running back. Only God knows the difference in what kind of bridge it is because he knows hearts. Even if you're in the fire, just be a pine cone. Just explode with the seeds of God's goodness that are inside of you. You in a fire? You in a hot season of your life? Just open up and let the seed of life inside of you germinate and combust. God can do something to open the chains and the prison doors for everyone around you when he opens them up for you. Keep praying, keep praising, keep believing God, keep trusting him. Explode with the seeds of collateral grace for, other, for others today, tomorrow, the next day, because you never know what God can do. Let God be God. You just be in the right place at the right time with him and be willing to obey in the hardest seasons. Tough love is still love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for the bridges you've built toward us. That your word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us anyway. Thank you for the apostolic heart of the Apostle Paul that will use whatever means necessary to help reach lost people. Father, these two sides of the same message seem to be opposites, but we know that in you, the truth all comes together. You know hearts. Help us to see fruit and to know where every relationship fits into our lives, not just now, but 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Give us the spirit of wisdom 
and discernment to know the difference. In Jesus' name. Just with your heads bowed for another moment. Maybe you're here today and you're one of those that's kind of struggling because you got some people, listen, be friendly. You know, he that, he that is friendly has friends. <clears throat> you got to be friendly. But you know in your heart where certain relationships fit and you know the toxic ones the ones that pull you down, the ones that condemn you, the ones that wish you were more like you used to be instead of who God is making you to be. Only you can answer where these things fit. But let the seeds of God flow through you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. That's the getting on place. That's the first step to really know God for yourself in a real, not religion, not talking about some religious thing or some, something you're just doing to go through the motions. We're talking about here. You say in your life, I need God and I'm not ashamed to admit it. If you're here today or you're connecting with us online, wherever you are in the world, you may feel far from God today. The Bible says he's near to you. And if you take one step toward him, he's gonna make a giant leap toward you. If you're here today and you're struggling, just pray this with me right now. Just say this out loud, just say Jesus. You know what, everybody in the room, just pray with the other people. We're not gonna have anybody raise their hand today, but you know where you are. God is dealing with your heart and I'm not gonna point you out. I see you right now. I'm just, I'm not looking at you. Just say this out loud. Jesus, come into my life in a brand new way. Change me. Help me to know you. Help me to grow. Help me to mature. Give me wisdom for the relationships of the people around me. And let your grace work so strongly through my life that it has an effect on other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.